to the Red Light Report. Your number one source for all things red light therapy. Where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Hey guys, welcome back. Here we are on another solo-sode of the Red Light Report. There's not very many uh, updates to go over other than it's another beautiful fall day up here in Montana. Hope you guys are enjoying your fall season wherever you are and getting in your full-spectrum sunlight while it lasts, depending on your location. Maybe you have a year-round. If you do, you're a lucky duck. But um, no new news other than the Matrix pre-order is still live. And of course, like I announced last podcast episode, you do have a chance to get the Matrix 15% off with a coupon code. The coupon code will be given away during the very small ad in the middle of this solo sode. So pay attention, listen, and you will get that coupon code to get 15% off the Matrix, which as I elaborated on last solo sode, is a full body red light therapy mat, the very, very first of its kind. And uh, the way I see it, it's the next big thing in red light therapy. So go check it out. It's on the BioLite website, biolite.shop. And then you'll see the matrix there on the very front of the homepage. Go check it out, see what you think and spread the word if you think you have any friends, family that would be interested in something like that, a full body red light therapy mat. And I've actually also been using it as a blanket. So of course I wanna do full body red light therapy treatments while laying down versus having to stand up all the time. So of course I'll lay on the mat on my back, but when I wanna do my front, instead of necessarily having to lay on my face, so to speak, and sometimes I'll prop up and be on my elbows if I'm reading a book or or doing some stuff on social media, whatnot. But if I just wanna really relax and not have to be propped up or have my head turned to the side, then I will lay on my back and instead of laying on the mat, have the mat lay on me like a blanket and thus get that full body treatment by laying on the back, getting my backside, laying on my back, using the blanket, getting the front side. So just some food for thought there if you're interested in some nifty ways that you can be using that new matrix mat. But let's move on here. Let's continue on and we'll wrap up all of the new information, all the new sections and research in the Red Light Therapy Treatment Protocols ebook. And we'll continue on where we left off with stem cells. So stem cells is one of those brand new sections I've added to the ebook and It's also a section that I've added to the website. So if you want to go read this information because you're more of a reader than a listener, then then by all means, go check it out on the website under our learn section. But let's begin, shall we? Stem cells are immature, unspecialized cells with self-renewal features that provide a cell source for tissue regeneration or to replace damaged, missing, or impaired tissue or organs. Differentiation is a critical cellular stage for these cells that allows them to provide specialized cells to form different tissues or organs. Mesenchymal stem cells are mesenchymal stromal cells regardless of their tissue origin. They were originally found in bone marrow. However, they have been harvested from other adult tissue. These multipotent stem cells can differentiate into osteogenic which is bone, chondrogenic, which is cartilage, and adipogenic, which is fat, cell lines. 
So just to review, they can differentiate into bone, cartilage, and fat. So red light therapy of human adipose-derived mesenchymal stem cells using near-infrared light irradiation has recently become more popular as an auxiliary treatment for cell therapies. This is because red light therapy can result in the acceleration of stem cell proliferation. Also, red light may also be associated with a pro-survival signal in the mesenchymal stem cells that added to the increased production of ATP and growth factor secretion that would lead to greater cellular response to proliferation and differentiation. Interestingly, there seems to be a different red light therapy treatment paradigm based on whether someone receives the stem cells from a young donor versus an older donor. Mesenchymal stem cells from older subjects display a marked senescence phenotype, meaning growing old, and require an elaborate red light therapy treatment compared to those from young donors. This ultimately means that older stem cells require a larger quantity of red light therapy treatments to achieve the same benefit compared to young stem cells. And that makes sense. Just like an older person or older cells requires a little more TLC than a younger person, whether you're talking about recovering from an illness or an exercise routine or what have you, quote-unquote older people do take a little more time to recover. And so it makes sense that these younger stem cells require less red light therapy to get the same effects compared to older stem cells. So that makes sense, but that's pretty interesting nonetheless. But let's move into the research for red light therapy and stem cells, and there's a ton of it. So, so hold on to your bootstraps here as we go over all this research. The first piece is from 2021. They go on to say that overall, Mesenchymal stem cells exposed to LED have shown enhanced viability, proliferation, differentiation, cell metabolism, and secretion of angiogenic factors compared to non-arrated mesenchymal stem cells. So clearly, red light therapy has a lot to offer to stem cells. Uh, this next piece here from 2022, just back in March. These findings demonstrate the efficacy and use of photobiomodulation in regulating mitochondrial membrane potential, reactive oxygen species, and vesicle transport, which have potential in cell proliferation, migration, and differentiation in stem cell-based therapy. And so we've only gone over two pieces of research, and you've already kind of heard the same thing twice, but that is relatively speaking, the, the underlying benefit of red light therapy for stem cells just in many different ways and shapes and forms is that red light therapy leads to enhanced viability, proliferation, differentiation, and otherwise migration, which just helps with stem cells doing their jobs better or more efficiently. And you'll see that time and time again, which makes sense that a lot of these stem cell clinics across the country or across the world even are starting to integrate red light therapy much more often, both pre, during, and after treatment as a way to enhance the results of their stem cell treatment. This next piece of research, though, let's move on, is also from 2022. And they say that three out of four articles confirmed positive bioenergetic effects of photobiomodulation on mitochondria of osteoblasts derived from human pulp stem cells. Kind of an interesting one there, three out of four articles showing 
positive bioenergetic effects. And when we're talking bioenergetics or bioenergy, that is mitochondrial function, meaning enhanced ATP production, thus enhanced energy production. And as, as we all know here, uh, when we have enhanced ATP or enhanced energy production, that leads to limitless positive things in our biology and physiology. So it's always a good thing. This next article is from 2021. They say that our results unveil that young and aged stem cells respond differently to the same modality of photobiomodulation. Whereas the beneficial effect of a single photobiomodulation treatment dissipates within seven hours in aged stem cells, it is lasting in young ones. So just like what I covered in the informational section and that we learned towards the end of that, the young and old stem cells respond differently to red light therapy. And I think this is the article that is purporting that. So that's just something to keep in mind if, if you are either a, a physician and or a person utilizing stem cells for your health and wellness and longevity regimen. Just know that there is a difference with how red light therapy interacts with stem cells based on their age. So just one of those factors to take into consideration. This next piece of research is from 2022. It goes on to say that application of photobiomodulation to the bone marrow in humans can significantly increase the concentration of CD34 cells, i.e. stem cells, and macrophages in the circulating blood. These cells may consequently home in on the impaired target organs and improve their function. So we already know that red light therapy improves the immune system, but this one kind of coupled both the stem cells and the immune system with the CD34 cells and the macrophages showing that red light therapy augments those markers in the blood. This next article is from 2016. So, ooh, that's an old one, six years. <laughs> um, but it goes on to say that photobiomodulation had positive effects of biostimulation of bone tissue and increasing stem cell proliferation and differentiation and was a helpful tool in regenerative treatments. So given that this was six years ago, that's, that's a relatively groundbreaking statement. Of course, when you toss it in the hat with all these other ones that are from the last six to 12 months, it doesn't come off as impressive. But for someone to say that red light therapy led to improved stem cell proliferation and was a helpful regenerative treatment six years ago is pretty cool. This next article is regarding diabetic foot ulcers. And also I'll say this is from 2022. They go on to say that preconditioning diabetic adipose-derived mesenchymal stem cells with pretreatment agents like photobiomodulation significantly hastened healing and delayed healing wounds. So no surprise there, since we're, we're pretty savvy that red light therapy helps with wound healing, but knowing that diabetic foot ulcers are one of the toughest wounds to treat because they can be deep and typically take a long time to fully heal, knowing that red light therapy can hasten the healing process is, is fantastic to know. Preconditioning them, we know that you can precondition a lot of things with red light therapy, whether it's your eyes, your ears, your skin, your muscles. And now th this article here is saying that you can precondition stem cells that will then be used to enhance the healing process of 
typically slow healing or delayed healing wounds. So, so pretty cool that someone thought to precondition stem cells with red light therapy. But that's also something to consider if you are a physician or someone who provides stem cell treatments. And moving on to the last article here, and this one is from 2019. They go on to say that we suggest that photobiomodulation enhances the angiogenic potential of mesenchymal stem cells, leading to improved therapeutic efficacy for the treatment of radiation-induced enteropathy. Uh, so, so again, more great use cases for red light therapy and stem cells. Given that there is a lot of research in stem cells, you'd expect there to be a protocol, but also given that the stem cell research with, with photobiomodulation is kind of all over the place, meaning there's so many different use cases or ways that it's being used in the research, I'm not yet able to develop a protocol specifically for stem cells. So once there's more research consistently on the same issue where I'm able to better develop a protocol, because there's there's more than just one article on one specific use case, uh, then I'll be able to provide protocols. But until then, kind of like the heart and cancer, I, I got to wait for that research to come out before I can provide those protocols. But regardless, we do know that there's quite a bit of research, and I expect more and more and more to come out as, as stem cells themselves have surely become more popular over the past handful of years. So I expect red light therapy and stem cells to continue to show up in the research time and time again. Moving on, the next section is thyroid health. And while that is a very popular topic with red light therapy because of its massive potential in upregulating, or I should say modulating the health of the thyroid gland or organ, there's no new information to add and there's only one piece of research. So we do know that red light therapy is amazing for treating Hashimoto's thyroiditis or hypothyroidism. And there's plenty of research to back that, which has been covered in previous episodes and is also covered in the thyroid health section of the BioLite website. But let's just read this one article. And this research is from 2020. And it goes on to say that our results are encouraging and photobiomodulation seems to be very effective in increasing T3 to T4 ratio and decreasing thyroid peroxidase antibody levels both, which are positive metrics for thyroid health, and also decreasing weekly dosages of levothyroxine replacement therapy, or LT4 therapy, for those that are used to the acronym or the abbreviation. Anti-inflammatory properties of photobiomodulation are greatly responsible for these changes, and photobiomodulation causes major improvements in Hashimoto's thyroiditis-related symptoms of the patient. So that's a very powerful synopsis from a research article there, both explaining the, the potential positive impact and power of how red light therapy can help heal the thyroid and, and modulate thyroid health. Uh, just to reiterate it, you're going to increase or augment the T3-T4 ratio and decrease those antibody levels and decrease the weekly dosage of levothyroxine. So in effect, you're increasing the positive metrics, you're decreasing the negative metrics, so to speak. So you're improving thyroid health and you're decreasing your dependency, so to speak, on exogenous therapies and pharmaceuticals. So that's what I would call a win-win. And that's it for thyroid health. Uh, the, the protocols in the ebook is one for thyroid health. So that would be kind of the gold standard protocol based on that strong 
research out there. Women's health is the next section. And while we covered quite a bit of this last solo episode about women's health when we're going over the third edition of the ebook, because at that point it was a new section, since then I have interviewed Kayla Osterhoff, who suggested that I provide a protocol based on the four phases of the menstrual cycle, which she talked about in depth in her interview. So if you didn't listen to that, I highly recommend it. And that episode came out in June of this year. So go check it out if you didn't. But let's move forward here because the new information I added to the ebook is based on Kayla's suggestion that I developed the protocol, like I said. And so I also have information directly from Kayla about those four phases. So uh, those interested in what that all means, the four phases, well, we're, we're about to talk about it, but it's also in the ebook here. And I also have a, a treatment protocol based on those phases. And so let's cover the information first. So the section is called phases of the menstrual cycle. And so let's begin in phase one. And phase one is day one through five of the cycle. And this is the menstrual phase where estrogen and progesterone are at their lowest levels. This leads to physiology like metabolic functions slowing down. The body generates less ATP overall, which means less energy. The brain has decreased excitatory and mood-boosting neurotransmitters that leads to low levels of serotonin, dopamine, and epinephrine. Phase 1 is considered the quote-unquote winter of the female biorhythm. During this phase, mood is subdued and focus goes inward. This leads to increased cognitive empathy, facilitating heightened intuitive insight. And so that's phase one. Phase two goes from day one to 13 of the cycle. And this is the follicular phase, which is marked by an increase in estrogen. Secondary to this rise in estrogen is an increase in the metabolic function and ATP production. All of this leads to an increase in strength, power, endurance, and stamina. And along with this, there is a rise in the excitatory and mood-boosting neurotransmitters. Phase 2 is considered the quote-unquote action strategy phase of the biorhythm, as this phase facilitates being more social and outwardly focused. With this cognitive shift, women have much higher emotional intelligence and increased navigation capabilities. Moving on to phase 3. Phase three is day 14, so a very, very, very short part of the phase here, just one day, and this is the ovulatory phase and is more so considered a phase shift versus a traditional phase. This phase is very short. It is marked by a peak in estrogen and excitatory mood-boosting neurotransmitters as well as the highest ATP production and thus the most abundant energy. There is also a peak in luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone. Phase three is when you feel the most energetic, outwardly focused, and social. You will also have the highest emotional intelligence and be most charismatically influential. This is the best phase to be giving a presentation, networking, and, and things of that nature. And, and phase four here, which is day 15 through day 28. And this is considered the luteal phase and is the longest phase at about two weeks, whereas the first three phases are two weeks combined. Estrogen begins to take a backseat and now progesterone becomes the key player as it rises to its peak in this phase. 
Phase four is the quote-unquote brainy phase of the biorhythm, and along with the aforementioned rise in progesterone, there is also a boost in brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which increases neuroplasticity as well as neurogenesis, which means neurons are literally growing. There is also an increase in GABA neurotransmitter um, activity during this phase, which facilitates restful sleep along with neural pruning and memory consolidation. All of this leads to an increased ability to learn, grow, and adapt. However, with all of that being said, this is also the phase that gets the worst reputation, as it is affectionately referred to as PMS. PMS is truly hormonal dysfunction that leads to the notorious symptoms associated with it. This typically occurs during the tail end of the fourth phase. And so that is the four phases according to Kayla Osterhoff. And let's go over the, the these two pieces of research as well. This first piece is from 2021. It goes on to say that in this cohort, transvaginal photobiomodulation resulted in improvement of pelvic pain without serious adverse events. And so there's just another feather in the cap for you know red light therapy reducing pain without serious adverse effects. We know that, but it's cool to see that there's a place to be had here or a role to be played by red light therapy with women's health. All right, guys, as I promised, I am going to be offering you guys an exclusive 15% discount for the pre-sale order of The Matrix. Uh, like I spoke about earlier, this is a groundbreaking, innovative, patent-pending piece of technology from BioLite. It is literally a full-body red light therapy mat. You heard that right, a mat. It's a quarter of an inch thick. You can roll it up like a yoga mat. It has over 2,100 LEDs, and like all light products, you have the option of choosing red and near-infrared light combo, red light only, or near-infrared light only. The dimensions are 69 inches by 34 inches, so you can either lay on it full body, cover it on top of your body like a blanket, roll up a section of your body, let's say your abdomen or one of your legs or one of your arms or a third or half of your body at once, roll yourself up like a bean burrito, and literally give yourself a 360 degree red light therapy treatment. And more or less, you can think of this mat, the matrix, as the next phase of red light therapy. Because right now, everyone has panels, and there's a time and place for that, but I think now is the time for innovation and moving the needle forward on red light therapy technology. This red light therapy mat, the matrix, roll it up, you can sit on it, you can stand on it, you can lay on it, you can roll yourself up. It's extremely versatile. It's easy to take on the go, so you're not just bound to hanging it up on a door or a wall. It's very easy to take on the go. Put it in the corner of your room, so it takes up minimal room in your house. The options are endless. Really, you guys, my loyal podcast audience, I'm going to offer you guys a 15% discount through pre-sale, which will be through the majority of October. So for the next three or four weeks from the recording of this podcast, you can get 15%. And the discount code is simply podcast. So go to biolight.shop, check out the matrix. If you want this exclusive 15% discount, simply use coupon code podcast at checkout to receive that discount. And I know you guys are going to absolutely love this game-changing product, the matrix. And along the same vein here, uh, this piece of research is uh, from 2021. They go on to say that transvaginal photobiomodulation provided a significant and sustained pain relief to women with chronic pelvic pain up to six months. So it sounds kind of redundant, but those are two 
different pieces of research from different authors and uh, researchers. But coincidentally, they're kind of saying the same thing. Transvaginal photobiomodulation reduces pelvic pain. So something to consider for the ladies out there dealing with those types of symptoms. And so let's let's kind of continue on this, this thought process here of the four phases of the menstrual cycle. And so based on my interview with Kayla and speaking with her, I developed a treatment protocol based on the four phases uh, for cycle optimization. And so there's a phase one, part one, phase one, part two, phase two and three combined since that, that third phase was only one day. And then, of course, phase four, part one, phase four, part two. So actually within cycle optimization, there's one, two, three, four, five protocols you would want to follow that they were developed based on Kayla's information about the different energy levels and, and basically wanting to lean into these different phases of the cycle versus trying to pull and push and struggle with some of these notoriously difficult symptoms. And so if you guys do end up using that protocol, please give me some feedback because again, this, this wasn't found in the research or anything like that, but more so based on Kayla's information and her expertise and insight. So if you guys do get any positive benefits from that protocol, please reach out and let me know or, or drop a message through email or, or, or social media DM or whatnot, because I'd be really excited to hear if people are, are actually getting results with that protocol. But moving on, guys, to the last topic in the ebook, wound healing. And well, I guess before I go into wound healing, I'll, I'll outline all the different protocols in women's health. So of course, we have that cycle optimization, which within itself has about five protocols. Then there's breast cancer-related lymphedema and dysmenorrhea and endometriosis. So those are the protocols available. But again, let's move on to wound healing. This is the last section in the ebook. There's only a couple of pieces of research. So, so just like a lot of the other sections that are relatively new, there's no more new information to add other than what we've already spoken about in the past. So let's, let's move on to the two pieces of research in wound healing. This first one is from 2021, and it goes on to say that photobiomodulation leads to photochemical reactions and the production of ATP activates a cascade of cellular events, which in turn leads to biological changes in downstream effects. These effects include, but are not limited to, the restoration of cellular function, mitigation of inflammation and pain, augmentation of tissue regeneration and wound repair, reduced oxidative stress, immunomodulation, neuronal regulation, accelerated cell proliferation and migration, stimulated release of growth factors, and promotion of extracellular matrix synthesis. So, gosh darn, that almost encapsulates what red light therapy does <laughs> in general. But of course, this is related to wound healing specifically. So, nice piece of research there, nice synopsis. Needless to say, if you have a wound, whether it's a paper cut, a burn wound, a diabetic foot ulcer like we spoke about a little bit ago, or otherwise, you should be using red light therapy because, and I've done it myself countless times with both myself and my dog, it heals wounds so quickly, it's crazy. You have to be using red light therapy. It's almost insane. I don't want to say insane, but it's almost uh, 
negligent not to in a way because it works so well. You're kind of cheating yourself if you're not using red light therapy. But moving on here, the last piece of research is regarding diabetic wounds. Speaking of which, they go on to say, this is from May of this year, 2022. They go on to say that the obtained data from most of the reviewed studies affirmed that the photobiomodulation alone or combined with other agents, for example, stem cells, could moderate the inflammatory response and accelerate the wound healing process in preclinical diabetic wound models. Needless to say, using red light therapy by itself or in combination with other things, of course, is going to have a synergistic response, but clearly leads to positive results. And as far as available protocols in the ebook, there's burn wounds, diabetic ulcers, general wound healing, pressure ulcers, and venous ulcers. So that's all the fun stuff in wound healing. And let's just quickly go over the safety. We've gone over it before, but I think it bears repeating and it's good to hear and kind of refresh yourself if you've already heard it in the past. But let's go over the safety section to wrap things up in this solo sode. So there's no new information per se, but again, let, let's just go over it again for everyone's sake. And we'll start with eyes, safety and eyes. So eyes are some of the most mitochondrial dense tissues in our body third to only the brain and the heart, so it makes sense that they could benefit from red light therapy. Scientific research has demonstrated that red and near-infrared light irradiation can even regenerate damaged retinal tissue. Red light therapy's ability to act as an anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, and anti-apoptotic protector makes it a strong candidate to assist with age-related macular degeneration as well. So it seems that near-infrared is the most beneficial for the mitochondria in the eye and thus the most efficacious choice for eye treatments. Along with the fact that the sheer brightness of the red light may lead to unwanted damage. With that being said, we advise that you consult with a medical doctor and or an ophthalmologist before commencing red light therapy eye treatments. And of course, if you've been listening to the Solosode, this is an ebook, of course, but if you've been listening to the Solosode and we've gone over uh, the eye health sections, you guys are probably believers and understand the potential of red light therapy for either mitigating, preventing, and even reversing some eye health conditions or retinopathies or, or age-related macular degeneration, what has you, or even just visual acuity or color acuity, like we've gone over multiple times in this podcast, one Red light therapy treatment in the morning led to a significant increase in visual and color acuity for an entire week. And yes, they were using red light. And another caveat that needs to be made regarding red light therapy and eye health is that the research is using a light irradiance and or a light dosage that is much, much lower compared to other or the vast majority of other red light therapy treatments. So compare that to reducing stress like your, your brain or treating your gut or treating your, your muscles or bones or joints or even your thyroid. The treatment dosages for those are, are much higher relative to those for the eye. The eye is more sensitive tissue. It's extremely superficial. So just like the skin, which is also a superficial tissue and organ, the skin also takes a very low dosage to get those effective results. So my point being, when you're using a panel 
that has a high light irradiance, which is about 100 to 140, 150 milliwatts per centimeter squared, well, most of the eye treatments are closer to anywhere from 5 to 10 to 20 milliwatts per centimeter squared. So it's almost a fifth to a tenth of the light irradiance of other treatments. And same thing with the dosages. So you don't want to be using a higher light irradiance. And a way to combat that is if you do have a panel or you do have a device that has that higher light irradiance, then you just need to significantly increase your distance from that device. So instead of being six to 12 inches away, you might wanna be three to four to five feet away looking towards that light source versus being six to 12 inches. And that way you can decrease the light irradiance and that way you can decrease the intensity of the light on your eyes and thus mitigate any damage from that sheer brightness of that red light. Some research does use red light for eye health and some use near infrared. So I don't know which one is better because both seem to lead to positive results. I think that if you are sensitive to the bright light, then by all means use that near infrared light because it's invisible and you'll, you'll still get comparable results, at least according to the research. But I just want people to know that I think there's this misnomer that since the lights are bright, they're bad for your eyes. And while that's true, we do know that that same light is positive when you significantly decrease that intensity and decrease that dosage. Again, just keep that in mind and by all means, be cautious and consult who you need to before commencing those treatments for eye health. But just like the full spectrum sunlight is extremely healthy for your eyes and you should be getting that on a consistent basis, watching that morning sunrise, watching that morning sunset, there could be a time and place to kind of jumpstart or supercharge your mitochondria in your eye and stave off any eye health maladies by properly utilizing red light therapy. But let's move on to pregnancy. That's another common topic, pregnancy and red light therapy. So currently there's no data to verify one way or another as to whether red light therapy can be harmful for pregnant women. However, let's consider this. Women are constantly exposed to sunlight when they're pregnant and sunlight has both red and near infrared wavelengths. But due to the fact that these two wavelengths are being emitted in concentrated doses with red light therapy, there may be some unexpected effects. Again, we don't know what they are. There's nothing in the research yet, but there may be. So let's be cautious here. Uh, some articles have pointed out that relevant research suggests that using red light therapy on other parts of your body away from the belly is likely safe. But again, consult with a medical doctor for their professional opinion before administering red light therapy treatments. And, and you could also throw breastfeeding into that same category as well. There, there's no research showing it's damaging, but again, we're, we're dealing with a higher concentrated form of red and near-infrared light compared to, to the sunlight. So, so we don't know the exact effects. For all we know, they could actually be positive, but again, they also could be negative. So, so tread lightly. Let's be cautious until we have that research coming out to show us one way or another. And in the meantime, just use red light therapy on other parts of your body, other than your breasts if you're breastfeeding and the womb if you're still carrying a child. But otherwise, you can seem to get positive benefits. Let's say you're dealing with some shoulder pain or elbow pain or, or back pain, of course. Maybe you're going through some stress and anxiety, so you want to treat your brain. By all means, those are safe because you're not directly 
irradiating the areas of concern. So you should be safe. Side effects. So we have side effects and contraindications. And then we'll, we'll be done here. So the side effects we want to consider. Red light therapy is extremely safe and it is rather difficult to quote unquote overdose on this type of light. But as with any type of biological treatment, there are some potential negative side effects. And while the possibility is there, negative side effects are relatively infrequent. Reported symptoms include nausea, fatigue, and exacerbation of pain one to two days after treatment. And the reason for these potential negative side effects that should also be noted here is that those negative side effects are due to two things. A, either you overtreated, so you overstimulated the mitochondria in the cells, and that can exacerbate some unpleasant symptoms, whether it's that pain or the nausea and fatigue, again, due to kind of overdosing your mitochondria, so to speak. Another reason, and I think this is the most likely reason, is that especially for those just starting off with red light therapy, they're, they're doing their first treatment or two and they get these symptoms of nausea, fatigue, malaise. That's probably a detox symptom. And of course, detox symptoms aren't always pleasant, but it's a sign of healing. And so if your pathways have been kind of closed off for a while and then you open them up for the first time in months or years or sometimes decades you're going to be releasing some toxins and garbage into the circulatory system that has to get flushed out, which does lead to those unpleasant symptoms. And so if you're to carry out red light therapy treatments consistently, uh, let's say for another week or two, those symptoms should disappear and then you should be feeling fantastic. You're, you're detoxed, now you're supercharging your mitochondria and your cells and tissues and organs, and you should be feeling amazing but there could be that initial hurdle of those detox symptoms you have to get over first. And, and a lot of people don't understand that. They get the negative side effects and they think the red light therapy treatment is bad, but it could just very well be that you're detoxing, which is a healthy thing. And the last topic here is contraindications. And this is the exciting part of the research is that there are no contraindications that have been found with respect to light emitting diode red light therapy. The wavelengths engineered into BioLite devices are the therapeutic wavelengths of light, according to the research, which is 660 nanometers for red light and 850 nanometers for the near-infrared light. And so these are potentially harmful wavelengths that you can overdose or, or over-treat with, so to speak, such as being overexposed to UV light. Which, which people use either for tanning or for a seasonal affective disorder. Of course, you can overdose on the UV light because that leads to skin irritation, sunburns, potentially skin cancer if you do it on a long duration, consistent basis. But with red light therapy, that's not going to happen. And so LED red light therapy, and I say LED instead of laser because there, there's an inherently higher risk with laser because you can heat the tissue and you can certainly cause damage with overtreating with laser, but you can't do that with an LED because the light's not as concentrated, and so you're not going to get that heating of the tissue like you could with a laser. And so LED red light therapy is a technology that was developed by NASA and has been used successfully for medical purposes for, for many, many decades at this point. And although there are no contraindications for LED red light therapy, 
it is still advised that you consult your doctor and seek their professional medical advice. And so that's your disclaimer and your liability waiver right there. But of course, if you've been listening and you know the information and research on red light therapy and how safe and how effective it is, not to mention non-invasive, do it in the comfort of your home. There's endless ways that it can improve your health, wellness, and longevity. And there's a very high probability that your, your medical provider or professional doesn't even know what red light therapy is. But hey, I, I think it'd be cool if you ask them about it because maybe then they'll look into it and learn about it. Maybe if you're working with like a, like a naturopath or osteopath and they're more into the holistic side of things, maybe they're familiar with it, or maybe they even utilize it, which is pretty cool. But I think if you're seeing a doctor or medical professional in the allopathic side of things, there's a high chance they haven't even heard of red light therapy. So I think it'd be cool for you guys, if you are in that position, to ask them about it, kind of pick their brain about like, do you think I should be using red light therapy for my thyroid? Should I be using red light therapy for my low back pain? And kind of start that conversation and potentially spark their interest because the more of the allopathic side of medicine we can get interested in red light therapy, the better because that means there could be a, a greater mass adoption, which means more people are utilizing a treatment that is proven to be effective, that is proven to be safe. It, it's more cost effective and it seems to be as effective, if not more effective than a lot of these more... Uh, pharmaceutically driven, surgically driven uh, uh, alternatives to a lot of conditions uh, that we're dealing with in modern society. And a lot of the conditions we're dealing with in modern society is, is directly tied to mitochondrial dysfunction, which I don't think allopathic physicians are treating. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that mitochondrial dysfunction is truly the root cause of the vast majority of health conditions that we're dealing with today. So that's the end of my soapbox there. But uh, <laughs> as always, guys, I appreciate you listening. I hope you found this last solo soda of the fourth edition of the ebook interesting, insightful, hopefully applicable, especially for you ladies out there with the woman's health side of things and the cycle optimization. But regardless, you guys have an amazing day, an amazing week, and I'll see you on the next episode in solo soda. You guys have an amazing week, and as always, light up your health. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.